It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, radio has been called theater of the mind. So let's tell a story with sound effects. Wow, it's like I was in the story. Almost makes me forget this was supposed to be about saving big with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. What comes to mind when you think of the word gratitude? I know for me, it makes me think of how much larger that word has become in our society. It's becoming a regular part of our lexicon and how we see and view others. I'm so glad that's happening because for so long, we weren't really talking about gratitude, but I'm so happy we are now. My guest today on Dr. D's social network is Jennifer Garman. And she's the author of the book, Seven Ways Gratitude Can Transform Your Life. We talk about those seven ways and a very casual conversation and uh, really dive deep into the different aspects of it. So I encourage you to enjoy and check out the conversation with Jennifer Garman. All right, Jennifer, thanks for being on. And I wanted to jump into uh, your book, which I think is uh, really awesome about gratitude. It's a a large topic, I think, in our society today, I think, for good reason. But let's jump into like the seven ways. And I believe we were talking a little bit before yesterday about uh, self-worth. Let's dive into that. Yes. Um, so I don't know if you want me to kind of go back into self-worth or not fully. Yeah, or... let's do it. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. Self-worth is one of the key topics that, um, or, or ways gratitude can um, really uproot your life in a big way. And one of the um, premier um, experts on this, I would say in the field is Brene Brown. And I have included her work in my book um, for good reason. She is a huge expert on vulnerability. That's what her life's work is. But um, in her research on vulnerability, um, she studied thousands and thousands of um, research points and people. And she found a very interesting um, correlation with gratitude in that. And she speaks to this. And she said that she, in all of her research, had not found one person who described themselves as a happy person who also did not practice gratitude. And she goes on to say that, you know, self-worth ties really ties into this as well. When you can really truly feel grateful for everything you do have in your life, um, your, your self-esteem, your self-worth, everything goes up. Um, and I thought that that was um, just too good not to include in my book. And I've also got some other stories in there as well of people who have transformed their lives um, in a self-worth um, capacity through gratitude. Have you seen her special on Netflix? I have not yet. I've heard oh of it God. and it's so on my good. to-do list. <laughs> it's so good. It's like, you know, actually my wife and I watched it and we were thinking, I can't believe something like this is actually like a feature thing on like a streaming service and in a positive way, because yes. I think it kind of means that 
as a society, we're willing to approach topics like vulnerability and gratitude with a more open mindset. What do you, what do you think that is and the rise of that? You know, I'm hoping that everybody's looking at an inward, um, from an inward perspective and saying, you know, how can I better myself? How can I, um, improve myself and therefore be a more of a benefit to other people? That's my hope. (laughs) And I do see that, especially with this pandemic and, you know, all that's happened, there's been a lot of negative, but there's been a lot of positive that's come from it as well. I, I can't tell you how many people I've seen that have just been like, you know, how can I be of service? How can I help? Who needs my help? I have so much, I just want to give back. And that's been wonderful to see. And that's truly um, a perspective that comes with gratitude as well, is, you know, when you have so much that you've, you've fully, you fully feel, you know, full um, and being grateful and in the moment, you just naturally want to give back because you feel like you have so much to give. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting when that, I, I feel that, I wonder how, some other people who feel that that are not in environments where that is a particularly prevalent attitude uh, that's happening. You know, sometimes I think our life is, I was just talking about this with a client before this is like, if you watch certain movies or ways, some people are in different things. You're like, I almost feel like I'm not, I, I'm not that t- like, re- I'm not even in that human race in that environment. <laughs> there, like the behavior is so different. And so I wonder what your perspective is in people who are in very negative environments. Let's say they, they want to have gratitude, but they're in like an avalanche of negative people or just really uh, crime-ridden, uh, negative thought processes, fast-paced, whatever it is, environments, you know? You know, that's tough because I used to be there. And it's mm. kind of the polar opposite of gratitude. Um, kind of, it's kind of the scarcity mentality. I don't have enough, you know, something's always wrong and I've been there and it's, it's a, it's a very difficult place to climb out of, so to speak. But what my suggestion has been to anyone who said, you know, I just feel like I'm at a loss and I don't even know where to start. Um, I point everybody back to their breath and say, you know, your heart is beating and you're breathing. And that right there is something to be grateful for. And you can focus on that. Um, It's not a coincidence that most meditation practices start and focus on the breath. Um, And I think that's for a reason to center you and to bring you back to, you know, the calm and out of the fight or flight response. And I think it's a great way to also practice gratitude in the essence of, you know, you're at the very least, you're still alive and you've got that going for you. (laughs) You you know, you're alive. You got that going for you. (laughs) I do that every morning. I wake up, I'm like, thank you. I... I, my eyes have been opened again, <laughs> you know, I do as well. Very yes, basic it's a stuff. Great way. Oh, nice. Great awesome. <laughs> it is. Well, tell me about the next one. I want to hear about it. Okay. So, um, the next one after self-worth would be, um, handling adversity. And that's, um, a great point to talk to right now. Um, I think that especially in this time of, you know, COVID-19 and everybody has been hit by this. I don't think you can talk to a single person who cannot say their life has not changed in a significant way. And it's, you know, these adversities that have come up and they will continue to come up. There's been no one that I know of to, to date that's lived without adversity in their life. You know, something's right. going to go wrong at some point. And the great thing about gratitude is the more it's practiced, it's kind of like a muscle. You know, the more it's practiced, the bigger it is, the quicker you can switch over to that lens of, you know, what I don't have scarcity mentality over to what I do have. And that is the perspective that can help you most in times of adversity. 
because when the you know when the walls are closing in and you feel like you know what am i going to do i have no way out you can shift to that perspective of wait a minute i do have this and that and i can focus on what i do have and be grateful for that and that's a great way to get through um adversity and times of struggle um I can't talk um, enough about this. I think that that's one of the really big points in my book. Yeah, you know, it's it makes me think about how <clears throat> we portray ourselves, especially virtually, and how a lot of times we portray that we don't have adversity in our lives. And so, you know, in terms of <clears throat> people's pictures and how happy they are and all these things that are going on, every day is a happy fest going yep. on that there's no <laughs> adversity and i think it actually pulls people in a weird direction like why isn't my life like that there it seems to be happy all the time but people aren't portraying that there is adversity actually happening to them even when yeah, they look people, happy people don't want to share that and it kind of goes back to brené brown and her <laughs> vulnerability you know when you do share that you become so much more real and you connect to other people um and social media is the perfect example. You know, nobody wants to share that, you know, they're, they're bad day on social media. You know, I woke up and, yeah. you know, my car wouldn't start. And then, you know, I lost my job and, you know, all these other things. And nobody's sharing that. Everybody's sharing like, oh, look what I had for lunch. And, you know, <laughs> oh, look, I'm on the way, my way to Aruba or, you know, you know, the different so things strange. that people tend to post. It's, it's not the, the bad stuff. You always see the good stuff. And it, it's hard not to compare when you're always seeing that and saying, well, nobody else has anything going on wrong. Everybody else's life is great. Well, that's not the case. We all know um, if we kind of reflect for a moment that everybody's got struggles that they're going through. They're just not showing them and open about them. What is, you know, I've seen actually like also the opposite of that where people are just like constantly pouring out their like tough times or like, I don't know, it's like a weird pendulum swing. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's like nothing good. All my life's so tough and all of it, I feels like sometimes it's just a reach out for attention seeking behavior on some level. I'd have to agree with you there. And I think that, you know, when you're in that point of when everything's negative, that's when you need gratitude the most. Those people yeah. really, really need it. And it's it's really hard to get out of that when it's just negative after negative and the focus becomes that because really the energy pulls you, you pull what you you concentrate on. Right. Um, yes. There's scientific studies that show, you know, if you're going to concentrate on the negative, guess what? More is going to come your way. <laughs> but with the the opposite, with gratitude, it's, the, you know, the things that you concentrate on are all the good. And it tends to be that the good comes your way. And I've got a, a chapter about that, actually. It's one of the last ones um, on abundance and the scientific studies out there showing that, you know, what you concentrate on, you get. It kind of reminds me of <clears throat> I always say this to, you know, I say this to my staff all the time and then people in my life. I'm like. You know, whatever you water, it's going to grow. If you water negativity and you know, you water positivity, you're going to grow that. It's going to grow on some level. So you make a choice. What do you want to grow in your life? And I think some people, they don't look at it <clears throat> so much that way. But I'm like, just think about it, what you're manifesting. Like if you're always around negative people, you always have negative thoughts, you're always making poor decisions. And then you go, why is my life like this? I'm like, um, well, <laughs> like, let's see what you're watering pretty regularly. It's and sometimes when you're in it, you don't always notice that you're having these behaviors all the time, you know? Yeah. And I love the analogy of, you know, what you water grows because it's so true. If you're watering weeds, you're going to get a lot of weeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm pulling weeds all the time. I'm like, God, these weeds grow. <laughs> and you know what's funny is weeds feel like they grow so much faster than flowers. They do. Oh, and man. I love that analogy for that reason is because they will pop up without any nurture whatsoever. Mm. You could be nurturing your roses and your garden and those weeds are just going to keep coming. And they, you're right. They grow fast. Man. And they take over things like in an instant. And that's why I love the analogy because they're going to come out of nowhere. They're going to hit you and you got to be ready for them. And you mm. got to, you got to tackle them when they're small, because before you know it, they'll <laughs> get big and they'll take over the whole garden. Right. <laughs> I was, I have this big, I have this big garden and it's like, man, the weeds go nuts in there. It's like, <laughs> why would I wish the flowers would grow this quick, you yes. know, but it, it's kind of this, this analogy for life, it's like good things take a while. They really, it takes perseverance and consistency and negative things, man, it's, those things just spread like crazy. And it also makes me think of how we are with our virtual life with people was like people trying to put out stories that are you know, like purposefully negative because they'll spread so quickly, you know? It's true, yep. They People will gravitate towards that. It's just, it's, it's a phenomenon that <clears throat> I'm still, you know, other than the weeds thing and what we discussed, it's just, it amazes me how we gravitate towards the negative, even in the news, it's all negative and people just gravitate towards it. And I have to make it a conscious effort to turn it off because I will get sucked up into it if I don't. <laughs> I was just saying this on, <clears throat> when I had a guest the other day, we were discussing, um, you know, I mean, a lot of discussions about coronavirus and pandemic and all that. But I was like, I, I watched the, uh, the task force briefing one time, I was like, I've just got to see this. I want to know like what this like white house task force briefing and like 10 minutes in, I was like, I don't think I can take much more of this. <laughs> I was like, this is kind of a hot, complete train wreck. And <laughs> what is coming into my brain? I don't want in my brain, the, the weirdness of it all, you know, and like just didn't feel like it there was anything really, it was just, I was telling, I was telling one of my guests, it just felt unintelligent and it felt like there was a lot of name calling and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not used to that in my life. Cause I don't, I don't grow that in my life. So I don't, I don't want that in my brain taking space where it doesn't need to be, you know? Yeah. It's good that you can pick up on that because a lot of people turn that on and it's just commonplace and we're so used to it now that it's just like, Oh, okay, this is how things work. And this is real world. And <laughs> It, it's true. It's, it's, there's a lot of negative out there. And if you're not careful, you can really get sucked in easily and think that it's the norm when it's, um, it may very well be the norm, but it shouldn't be the norm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure it is many people's norms. It's just, it uh, is, yeah. maybe, you know, you get on that hamster wheel and it's kind of that, that wheel keeps rolling. It's hard to get off of something when it's reached a critical point where it's rolling and it's become part of your, the essence of who you are, you know, and to have an intervention or somebody or something to come in and say, Hey, do you want this? Is this contributing to the goodness in your life or is it detracting from it? And that's a great question to ask. Um, is it growing me in the right direction or not? Um, is a fantastic question to ask. I love that. Do we ask those questions of ourselves and other people? I mean, <laughs> We should be asking those every day and the relationships that we have and everything, you know, is this, is this going in the right direction or do I need to, to take a detour? Why don't we ask those questions? I feel like those aren't asked that much, but no. I mean, we're so busy. It's just busy, busy, busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And I think what if, what, you know, maybe we're afraid of the answer to something like that. You know, if you're talking to a spouse or a significant other and be like, am I doing a good job 
in this relationship, maybe you're afraid to hear what the answer is. You know, this is true, but we can always better ourselves. I guess we can always position it that how can I be better as opposed yeah. to asking what's wrong? How can sure. I improve? <laughs> a yeah, yeah. Flip on it. You know, how can I be a, a better person? How can I be better in this relationship? Is maybe a better perspective to have than what's what's wrong? What am I doing wrong? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Let's keep it rolling. That's number three. Okay, so um, the next thing is our health, um, both our mental and our physical health. And mm -hmm. one of the fascinating things that I came across um, in my research for this book, um, I'll start with the physical health because this is just, it blows my mind that on a cellular level, our thoughts can influence every cell in our body. Um, if we have positive thoughts, um, we can show, it sh there, it's been scientifically proven that our immunity function is um, better, our digestion, um, just every function in our body operates better in a, a positive mental thought capacity versus negative. And we can literally bring illness on ourselves with negative thoughts. And that to me, that's what happened to me. I think I just brought mm. it on myself with, you know, I was just like adding more and more and more on my plate. And then it just at a certain point, I, that last straw broke the camel's back, so to speak. And, you know, my thoughts were not healthy at the time. I was just like, oh, you know, I'm going to fix this and this shouldn't be happening to me. And, um, but I, I was not having the positive thoughts to, to counteract all of the negative stuff that was going on and that was constantly going through my head. Um, and that to me was just, um, bl it blew my mind. Um, the, the quantum physics, um, is just the polar opposite of the Newtonian physics that we know every day in our world. Um, and the thoughts and the, the strength that the thoughts have on affecting our bodies. There was, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in this. I'm talking like monstrous. I mean, I <clears throat> deal in fitness I have for almost 20 years, but, um, you know, my doctorate is, uh, like a psychology based doctorate and I have been on top of this for a very long time. And, but I think it doesn't get as much publicity as it needs to. And that, I the, <clears throat> right. Yeah, I wish it got so much more. You probably know about all the studies they show that if you mm. mentally practice in your head, say bicep curls. I know there was one on mm -hmm. bicep. Yeah, I'm and aware they of take this. People yeah. that actually do the bicep curls versus the ones that are just mentally practicing in their head. And they both have muscular um, endurance, strength, increase, everything. Um, both the ones that are physically doing it with the weights and the ones that are just mentally rehearsing it. And that's just, isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's a uh... <clears throat> huge part of that, I think, is goes back to um, if you look back on this, there's a huge amount of this stuff being done in the athletic environment, high level athletics, a visualization, self-talk and all these things. And I was a collegiate athlete. So I remember like having we had like a sports psychologist around and taking all these things and understanding the the, the process of pr prepping your mind. We used to always say practice. They like, just we got to get your mind right before we get out here. And I take that rehearsal to all of to my business. So before I have a client or anything, I spend a good half an hour getting my mind prepared for this symphony, this performance that I'm going to have uh, with working with the person. And it makes a huge difference. It relaxes you. It gets you in the right frame of mind. And I take that with like everything in my life to make sure that, hey, we're in the right situation to perform well. And it just it's easier that way. But I don't, I don't think we look at things. We look that way. We look at it in a very tangible, physical way versus how the mentality changes the physicality. Yeah, you're so right. And I love that you approach everything like that, where you, you train your mind to get in that mental state. Um, I'm sure 
things like you said, it comes easy. It's well, it's because you put the work and the effort in. Yeah. You've gotten to the mental state so that it will come easy and it will come naturally and it will just flow. So that's amazing. I love hearing that from people. I think what happens is, at least what my observation is, many people go into an activity or a skill or whatever it is, and they just show up for it. They don't prepare for it. So whatever, <clears throat> whether it's an appointment or whatever it is, they show up last minute for it or right, right when it starts. And so they're discombobulated. Their mind's all over the place. They haven't quieted themselves in order to perform their best. So then it just becomes this huge, like, like you're just throwing stuff in the air all over the place and trying to catch whatever you can. And you just don't feel calm. You feel it's like a frenzied state whenever you're entering to things. It absolutely is. It's like it's like your brain's in chaos. It's not prepared for where you're going. You're you're correct. <laughs> it's it's hugely chaotic. And uh, it's just something I learned a long time ago. But I have noticed in the majority of people I've met, they they approached it this way. It's a very chaotic approach to performing well. But they, they don't look at it in a sense of what if I did the mental preparation ahead of time? My, my wife knows this so well about me. She's like within 15 to 20 minutes of, of my work or, you know, a session with a client, I cannot be talked to. I don't, I don't, I, you cannot talk to me. There is a zero talking to me zone. I'm getting prepped. I listen to a little music or meditation, getting my mind ready to the, for the performance, whether, whatever job you do, it's a performance. It's a, it is a show. It's a symphony. And how you prepare for that will a lot of times determine the success for it. Absolutely. So true. I, I think that the, the bulk of it's in the preparation, I would argue yes. that, you know, if you, I, I, every morning I do a half hour meditation where I just quiet my mind. I think about the day. I think about all the things I'm grateful for. And I think of, I take that feeling of emotion. I bring in joy to it. And I project that throughout my day and I envision things happening and things coming together. And, you know, the, even the unknown, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm open to the unknown, but I know that because I have the feeling of it's good, it's always good. And sure, you know, little glitches and derailments come. Yeah, but for the most part, I can say that since I've been doing that, it's just my life has just been on this upward trajectory. And it's been amazing watching the ride. It's true. It's, it goes back to kind of what you're growing, you know, like, yes. but I like that term chaos in the sense of, I mean, I don't like chaos. I mean, who does? But <laughs> I like the terminology in a sense of like, if you're not prepping your mind for something, you kind of go into a very chaotic state with it. I would always tell my trainers, you know, they come into the club and like two minutes before they start with their client, I'm like, how do you expect to do well? And you just literally just show it up and you're about to start and you're trying to put your bags away, you're trying to clock in and this whole thing. I'm like, this is a performance. Treat it as such, you know? That's a great perspective to have. I love it. Let's keep it rolling. Okay, so mental health. Um, this is a big thing right now. Uh, a lot of people are not doing well right now with this um, COVID-19 um, pandemic that we're dealing with. A lot of increased anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts. And it's just it breaks my heart because we were not in a good place before all this started. And it just, the news that I hear and what I'm, what's coming my way is just things are getting worse, especially for those people who are alone and live by themselves um, with this shutdown. I think that they're um, taking the brunt of um, all this um, mental ambush, so to speak. Yeah. And I think that gr um, gratitude can really have a profound effect. Um, Tony Robbins, I love the saying that he said that, you know, you cannot be, anxious and you cannot be fearful and grateful at the same time. 
Um, and it's true. They're polar opposite emotions to, to feel anxiety. You're, you're concerned and you're worried about something that's in the future. And then the same can be said about depression that for the most part, you're usually depressed about something from the past. So you're not in the present, but with gratitude, you're fully present. You're feeling the fully present effect of everything that you have or what you're concentrating that you're thankful for. And when you're in the present, it's really hard to be um, depressed, aka in the past or anxious in the future. So I love that gratitude tends to bring you back into the present moment. Welcome to the intermission. I wanted to ask, where do you feel the most gratitude in your life right now? Of course, we're living in very different times. It's easy to think about the negativity that may be invading your television screen or from the mouths of other people. But where can you find gratitude that is pervasive that invades every aspect of your life and gives you a sense of thankfulness regardless of the circumstances that are happening. Really think about that, ingest it, and see what happens. How do, um, how do you feel about, you know, I think with, with how we're dealing with things, with mental health and then people wanting to our different states reopening different parts of our country. I think this is a very timely topic in sense of how do we protect our mental health, but in protecting our overall health with the virus plus reopening things. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I think that, you know, we're just doing the best we can, but I think if you have a, a true mental um, health routine that you practice on a daily basis that includes gratitude, that includes, you know, just being still, being in the moment and focusing on, you know, your breathing and what you do have and what you want for your life and focusing on all the positive. I, I think that that can be profound for people. Um, and also, you know, that this is a temporary situation that we're in. This is the life is not going to be like this um, for for the known future. It's going to get back to normal at some point. And don't concentrate on the negative and where, you know, what is not there. Don't don't go into that scarcity mentality of, you know, I wish I had this and I don't have this right now. You'll get there. It'll get there again. It will be back. Um, don't take it as the, you know, this is how it's going to be for from here on out. It's not going to be focus on, you know, well, when this opens up, I'm going to feel this way because it's going to be so amazing to, you know, hug my parents again or, you know, my siblings or, you know, something along those lines. And feel that joy and that feeling that you're going to feel and be grateful for that future moment when it does happen. You don't know the time, but it, it will get there. It'll happen again. You can feel the joy and the gratitude for it now and carry that into your life and your day. What do you say to somebody who you're explaining this to them, but like you're butting heads with them, like they just can't, they hear what you're saying kind of, but then they keep being negative. How do you deal with that? It, it has to be a daily practice and it can be as easy as just a couple things before you go to bed at night and a couple things when you wake up, keeping a little notepad next to your bed and um, you really have to make it a habit. So, you know, 20 to 30 days of this every morning, every night, three things you're grateful for. And I started doing this with my kids and now every night they, you know, say, okay, I'm thankful for this and that. And it, it tends to be more than three things that they can pull out now that they're thankful for. And it, it is a habit for them. And it's a habit for me. 
Um, but it is something that you can fall out of practice with. And even I can say when my life gets busy, sometimes I, you know, don't practice gratitude at night because I'm so exhausted and I just go to bed. But I have to constantly have that reminder to do it and bring that back into my life because you do cultivate what you concentrate on. Do you ever have anybody who um, like very resistant to the ideas and what you're talking about? Absolutely. Lots of skeptics out there. <laughs> I want to I want to hear about that. I mean, I'm here's the thing. You're talking to me. I I'm, we're on the same train here. But I think there may be some people who are on a different train and they're like, you know what? Why? I don't want to hear about all this. Like, what do you say to that? I mean, that they're just like, I'm just heavily resistant to this, you know? Well, I got in the argument the other day with someone about this, um, whose health is not in a great place. And they, you know, were arguing with me that, you know, when your health is this and you have physical ailments that are, you know, a bone spur here or, you know, um, uh, you know, a, a back um, disc that's bulging or something like that, you can't argue that your thoughts are going to make that go away. And I take that to the story. Um, I don't know if you know who Joe Dispenza is, but I love his work. Mm -hmm. And he has um, this story in one of his books um, called You Are the Placebo Effect, I believe that's in. And um, so he was in his early 20s in a um, triathlon. He was in the bike portion of, tri of a triathlon and got sideswiped by an SUV going 55 miles an hour. He flew off his bike. He broke his back in six places. Mm. He was admitted to the hospital where they told him he'd probably never get out of a wheelchair again. He was lucky to be alive. And he was looking at this um, just awful surgery that would basically fuse his spine to a metal rod. And they said that this is the only chance you'd have to even think of walking again, let alone get out of a wheelchair. And he declined it and went home. And he was bedridden. He, he laid, you know, on um, face down for um, several weeks. But he literally went through in his mind and thought of his spine healing. And he went vertebrae by vertebrae, as he tells the story, and he healed his back. And I want to say nine or 10 weeks, he was walking again. He was training again in 12 weeks. I mean, it's just an incredible story of the power of your thoughts. And he, in his book, has several other examples of people that have, through the power of their thoughts, healed themselves from um, very um, daunting um, predicaments and diagno diagnoses like Parkinson's disease, um, MS, certain things like that, where people look at it like, oh, you can't heal that. That's, you know, there's no drugs that'll heal something like that. But, you know, people have done it. And um, to me, that's just even more uh, conviction that our thoughts are so p powerful. And, you know, we can do anything we put our mind to do. I, I feel like now you're explaining that I'm like, did I see that in the movie Heal or the documentary Heal on Netflix? I swear. I want to say that it was in that, or I know it's in What the Bleep Do We Know? There's another documentary. Yeah, that. yeah. It I know I've like heard that. of this now. Yeah, because I think it was in Heal because it was exactly the same thing as you described. And I, I found it amazing because, you know, it's this great kind of dichotomy between your thoughts and kind of alternative medicine and things of that nature versus Western medicine. What I liked about the whole thing is it, it didn't down either. It was like, there's a place for both on some level for, but Absolutely. it was just an expansion of there are many options. And I think that's kind of indicative of our nature sometimes is we get comfortable thinking that one idea is the only idea. Yes, and, the black and white mentality. Yeah. It's all gray. We live in a gray world. <laughs> right, right. I, man, I've been trying to tell people this forever. I'm like, I don't know. There's some things that are 
hey, this is it. But then there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you, there's kind of a case by case basis, you know, on things. And we have to be open to different ideas about things, you know. Absolutely. And be open to the good in everything, because if you can be open to experience the good in every situation, you'll find the good. And yeah. I agree. There's good in Western medicine. There's good in alternative medicine. There's good everywhere you want to find good. You just have to go looking for it and not looking for the bad and the negative that you want to pick apart. Yeah, totally. Let's keep it rolling. <clears throat> okay. Boom, <laughs> so, boom, um, boom. <clears throat> the next thing is connection to others. And um, oh, man. one of the stories that I have in my book is um, Andrew Horn. He's the CEO of a company called Tribute. And I love his story because he grew up as a um, an anxious kid, as he tells the story. And just, you know, not very comfortable around other people and just always, you know, second guessing, you know, what are people thinking, that kind of thing. And it wasn't until um, his girlfriend, um, I, I forget what year his, this birthday was, but his girlfriend put together for him a, a gift where she interviewed all of the people that were close to him in his life. And they all described why, uh, why he mattered so much to uh, them. And the gratitude that came through. And he was just in tears after seeing this video. And it was so moving to him that he decided that he wanted to do this for other people. And he um, made a company out of it called Tribute, where people, um, it's easy, uh, a platform that people can um, send out to everybody. And they can film themselves and why they're grateful, why this person means so much, and give it to them as a video gift. And just the testimonials he's gotten back are just, it fuels him. And to hear him talk, it's just like he just gets so excited about gratitude and how connecting it is of a force um, with other people. And um, I agree. It, it just bonds people and it connects us so close together when we express gratitude to each other. Why don't you think we do that more often with each other? We really need to. It should be one of those things that's on our, our checklist and our to-do list each day is, is share gratitude with those who matter most to you. Why don't you think we don't do it, though, on a regular basis? Like, what I really you... think it just comes back to the busyness. I just think we fill our yeah. lives with every second of our lives is filled. And I think technology is great in some circumstances, <laughs> but my phone is dinging and beeping if I have the sound on every five seconds. And I just got to <laughs> turn the sound off and leave the room sometimes <laughs> and just take a break from it because it's just it's an onslaught. It's constant. And I'm sure if I had it in my room at night, it would do the same thing all night long. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's never stops, right? We're just bombarded with, you know, news stories and alerts and texts and emails, and it's just never ending. And I think really that is. we get caught up in that so easily. That <clears throat> I agree. Next. It's actually um, concerning, I think. And I, I've, I've said this on several podcasts of like, there's kind of a, it's kind of a love-hate thing I have with uh, technology. Like, I love the possibilities of it. And I love that, like, it's at the point where I can run my business through it and everything like that. But then I don't like being connected to it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I have certain things I have to do. Like, at nighttime, I don't have it around me at all. And, um, you know, I have to be careful about notifications. I never have my phone ringing, ever. Like, I just don't, I don't want to hear all those sounds and stuff like that, you know, but it's like this weird, it's this weird dichotomy. And you're right. I think we're so busy that we forget to tell the people in front of us how much they mean to us on a regular basis, you know? Agreed. 
I love the tribute thing. That's an amazing idea. By the way, it's um, as something I spend. It, weirdly enough, I use technology to help me remind me to do that. I always <laughs> have like email reminders and list reminders that you know pop up on my email and stuff that'll say, "All right." Tell these group of people how important they are to you. Tell this group of people how important they are to you. Because I'd forget, honestly. I would forget. So I kind of need the technology. It helps me remember. For that. Well, it sounds like you're using it in the right way. That's a great way to use technology. How do you wield the sword, right? I mean, it kind of, exactly. it's like the theme of this whole conversation is, you know, it's, it feels like a Star Wars conversation, <laughs> like the dark side <laughs> and the, the force. You know? It does. You're right. Luke. <laughs> come right your, your your phone is like pull me to the dark side <laughs> you know you want to check me nine times a minute <laughs> yes and the news is like coming from the death star <laughs> <laughs> right it's like broadcasting from the death star Just, you know it's like no no we must the resistance we're the resistance we have to get away <laughs> The resistance says we're going to use technology, but in a responsible way. The Death Star is like, no, you need as much of this as possible. Come on. <laughs> weird parallel. So true. <laughs> <laughs> These weird things come up sometimes, you know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> just how, I feel like this whole thing is an analogy. <laughs> it really, and you know, it's it just mind boggles me how many analogies come up, and they're so true and real. And it's just like, wow, why didn't I think of that before? But it's, I love it. I mean, we're watering grass, talking about Star Wars here, you know, the force, the, the dark side. You know, I think humans, we just grapple with this concept of good and bad and light and dark all the time, you know? Yes, we love the black and white. We love to pull it back to the black and white. It's just our nature to do that. And um, I have a, a little story in my book about some, um, monkeys and cucumbers and grapes and just this comparison that they do that... Um, these little, I think they're rhesus monkeys, and the experimenters are giving them cucumbers for um, in exchange for rocks. And they're happily handing over rocks to get a cucumber until one monkey gets a grape for his rock. And the other one next to him looks at his cucumber and throws it back at the researcher. <laughs> <laughs> and we do the exact same thing. We're constantly <laughs> comparing to other people. We're looking to see, you know, oh, what, what did they get? What kind of car are they driving? What kind of house did they just buy? <laughs> We're doing it. It's just our brain just goes there. It's just instinctual for us to have that comparison. So true, man. That's like an everyday battle. <laughs> <laughs> We're moving towards seven. I know it. We're getting close here. <laughs> we are. We're almost there. So the next one is happiness. Um, and this is probably the most studied um, facet of mm -hmm. gratitude. And it's shown that um, people that practice gratitude are happier people. And it's hard to quantify that, but you, I, I, I guess I would ask anybody that practiced gratitude um, if they felt happier today than they did before they started practicing gratitude. And I would be shocked if I found anybody that said that they didn't. And all their research points in that direction, too. I personally know that this is um, true for my life, as well as many other people that I talked to um, in interviewing for my book. Um, just feel just an increased sense of not only happiness, but peace and joy. And just, just taking in what you have in your life and fully feeling that on a daily basis, it's just hard not to feel happy and joyful. Um, and all the research points that that is the case with practicing gratitude. And I love that. Yeah, I think it's great. Happiness has received a lot of attention 
And it's interesting. I think sometimes people use happiness as like a pill for like, I'm just going to take it. It's like, oh, I'm going to be happy. And like, they're just taking some vitamin, like, yep, I'll be happy now. Instead of understanding that it does require work. Um, And I think there's such a, I think it's a hard thing for us too, is that we've become so used to comfort in our lives and convenience that sometimes we forget that there's a very large work element to becoming happy, to feeling good, to, you know, being your best at, you know, becoming great at something. Like, it's like we forgot how to work for things sometimes. Yeah. And that's a great point because I think in this world of instant gratification where we can click a button and later that day have, you know, whatever we just ordered show up at our doorstep. I think that is detrimental in some way because we're not having to wait for anything. We're just instantly getting <laughs> anything that we want. And I do, I, I think that it's detrimental because we're not experiencing any bad, so to speak. Um, everything we want is just a click of a button and just a few hour wait if you want it that quick, um, up to a two day wait if you're an Amazon Prime <laughs> member, <laughs> which, you know, you used to have to, you know, save up for something, wait for something, you know, if something was, you know, a, a long way away, you know, it, I'm just thinking back to my childhood, you know, tell oh, your yeah. parents you're saving up for it and you want to get it and you just have this, you know, thing that you're working towards. But I don't think we have enough of that anymore. It's just, you know, I want it. I got it. There it is. Okay, what's next? (laughs) (laughs) Two things here. Two things. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe you never did it. So whatever. But I remember when I was growing up and we had to get things on layaway. I don't. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're young and you've you hearing this, this is probably the most strange concept you've heard in your life. Well, layaway. Okay. You want to get something, but you can't afford to get it right then. So you make payments over time (laughs) and eventually you pick it up from the store after you've made the payments for it. You, you wait like a long time in many cases in order to get it. And I was trying to explain this to my kids and they were looking at me like I had two heads, like, why would you do that? That's just ridiculous. Because you're being responsible. If you don't have the money right now, you, you work up to getting the money. You don't just go, I don't have that. We'll just charge it and whatever. Yes. It's like crazy. Like I, I remember my parents going, okay, you're going to get this, but we're putting on layaway and then over time we'll pay it off and then you'll have it. So you won't have any debt for it. Layaway should come back. I love layaway. I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people will be very upset about it. But I'm telling you, listen, I like Amazon <laughs> prime. I have it too. I'm not going to lie, but I mean, but the comedian, Ronnie Chang, he, he wanted his special on Netflix. It's hilarious. He talks about that of our Amazon Prime culture that we want Prime now. We want yeah, everything we want delivered now. now. I want it now. I want Prime. I want Prime. But be- I want things before I know I want it. Give it to me before <laughs> I know I want it. I want it now before I get it. Feed me. Put the food in my mouth. I don't want to do any work. And I think we're really doing a disservice to people by telling them they can't wait for anything. I mean, I have so many people I know who will not wait in lines. They're like, oh, I don't wait in lines. I'm like, what's the problem? It's no big deal. No, no, I want it now. <laughs> like, no, don't do this. Isn't that crazy? Like yeah. any inconvenience whatsoever turns people off now because we've just gotten to that point of just, you should have it now. It should be it's the way it should be. You shouldn't have to wait. Yeah, why wait for anything? You just get it right now. You know, you you go on some dating app. I want to meet a person right now. <laughs> they're, two, <laughs> they're two minutes from me. Meet me now. <laughs> like, I think you also miss the anticipation, the lead up to things when you do that, you know? 
Yes. And I think that there is a lot of growth in the waiting process and a lot of um, maturity. I think that, you know, when you learn to wait for something that you really want, even though you really, really want it, um, it, it's a growing experience, right? I think that it's um, it's something that I teach my kids on a um, constant basis that, you know, if you re- really want something, you got to start saving up for it and you have to get it after you have the money for it. Um, yeah. And it's not something they want to hear, but they do it <laughs> reluctantly. <laughs> I tell you, a, a very quick story, I think, will drive home the point of waiting. And you'll remember, probably going back, but my dad was in Desert Storm. And he went over to Kuwait and the whole deal. And uh, so I remember vividly him putting us on the bus, uh, our school bus. We lived in Germany, so we rode like a charter bus to school. And uh, not knowing if he was going to come back. And also, I couldn't communicate with him. I didn't. I couldn't call him. I couldn't video conference call him. You know, there was, you know, maybe some letter writing, but you had to wait a really long time for that letter to get to you. So this was a six months thing. I didn't see my dad. I didn't hear from my dad. I just had to gut it out and take it wow. and had zero communication. And you know, I knew he was coming back. I was in school and they made a big announcement that everybody in this unit, their dads and their moms were coming back from uh, Kuwait. There was no warning. It just happened. Wow. And, and then we just went there. So I saw my dad. It took me six months to see him again. And you know, we just, we dealt with it. We, zero communication. So it's just kind of funny to me that we're in a society where like, we just can't wait a month for something or two weeks. Or a when, day. You know, yeah, a day. Just anyway. I had to gut that out for six months and That's, not seeing yeah. my dad. You know, I could do that again because I've done it. I could do it for a year because I've done it with certain things in my life. And I think we underestimate our ability to be resilient for things like this. Or we forget too easily that we could yeah. do it or that we, we could did totally it. do it. I mean, yeah. our history shows we can do it. We just, we try to make ourselves so convenient. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't like it. I mean, I enjoy the Amazon Prime and stuff like that. <laughs> I enjoy streaming. I do not want to go back to appointment TV. I don't. I'm telling you. <laughs> I really don't, people. I want it all now. I want 12 episodes right now. I don't want to wait every week. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he's like, this guy's hypocritical. I'm like, eh. <laughs> I'm like but I know it's, what it's like. I know what it takes though. And I could still do it. I'm not sitting here saying I couldn't, you know, to say you couldn't, I just think that's not true. You know? Yeah. It, it's, it, you'd be surprised how strong you are when you, when the, um, well, I, I lost my analogy there, but I, I know. <laughs> I think that um, the the most um, eye opening thing to me during this whole you know lock home lock at home stay home thing was that you know I was just like oh no we're all going to be just like crawling up the walls and not mm-hmm. going to be doing well but we have just made it work and even to beyond that we've been really happy and we've been you know connecting as a family and just you know becoming so much closer and I just I am so grateful for this time that yeah. you know we've had to go through because of that. And I'm just, you know, I'm choosing to see the good in it. And my kids are all in just really great mindsets, too. And it's just been fantastic to see that happening. And I know that a lot of people are not, but I know that it's there (laughs) if they put their mind to it, um, seeing the good. Oh, there's plenty of good with it. And listen, parents, I understand. I get it. You want your kids to go to school. Me too. (laughs) But there's a lot of good to be 
to be made of this. And I think that's what we're saying is en enjoy the moments because you know, I always think my daughter's eight and one day she's not going to be living with me anymore. And, but we can look back and say, we have had this, we have had this time, you know, together and we've grown closer for it. Just, just to see the good things. And th it's not saying that there's nothing that you're not frustrated some days with your kids or your significant other and stuff, but there's a lot of good too. You know? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to look back when things are back to normal again and look back on this time and look and, you know, how do you see it? Do you see it as just like, oh, that was just such a tribulation to get through, or are you going to look back and miss it? And I think that, you know, in my head, I already know I'm going to look back and miss it because we're going to get busy again. We're going to, the, the days are just going to start, you know, plowing through again and I'm going to miss this downtime. I just know it. I think so. I mean, I think it's going to radically change how we, hopefully how we look at working. I've just seen so many more people and organizations saying, Hey man, you can work at home forever now. Yeah. You know, like I, I think, I think we should be thinking about it that way. Be like, Hey, you know, sometimes things accelerate the thought process or the consciousness of our society. And while it's important to acknowledge that there are a lot of difficult things about this and people dying, it's always tragic. It's terrible. I like to make sure that I'm sensitive to all that. But in any real tragic thing, there's always some things that in many ways push things uh, further. Um, I, I, I was part of 9-11. My dad, I swear my dad's been through everything. Wow. He was in the Pentagon when the plane hit. And he was one of the last people out. His his boss died during oh uh, that, and that was a horrible situation uh, for that. But you know, I learned so much about the strength of our family from that time as well, and how strong of a family we are, and that we can endure a lot of hard things uh, with that. It doesn't minimize anything. It was a horrible time, but the steeliness I think was. I learned a lot about my own ability to cope with difficult times during that, you know, so um, we, we'll get through it. It's just a matter of how we look at it, too. You know? Yeah. And it's the, the, the adversities and the bad times that really, truly strengthen us. And it's why we have to go through those, because we need to grow and we need to strengthen and we need to get through them to show that, hey, I got through this. I can get through another thing. Um, and if you look at adversities and bad things in that light and that perspective, um, it's amazing how much easier the burden becomes. Totally true. Let's round that corner. We're coming to home base here. We're Boom. coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing I talk about in my book is um, abundance. And I love the chapter on abundance because when you look at things through a lens of gratitude and you do this on a consistent basis and it becomes part of your life, it's just miraculous what things will unfold for you. And I've experienced this. Everyone I've talked to that's incorporated gratitude has experienced this. And it's just we all get giddy talking about it. It's just because you could not have lined these things up and made this happen out of your own effort. It's just you have to admit that, you know, the stars align, so to speak, for these type of things to happen. And it, it's just um, you can't help but be grateful and in awe of how things come into play and come into your life when you um, are really uh, looking at the positive and, you know, being grateful for what you do have. I love that. I'm a big fan of abundance. It's something um, that I've been really big and supportive of over the time and combining all these things to create that 
And I don't think it's a mistake when people have a lot of abundance in their life. And, and when I'm not talking about abundance and money. Right. Sometimes people, I'm not either. And right. They just, associate it that way. Oh, this you've done do. this, you know, it's not that. It's a, it's, feeling. A, it's a feeling, the feeling of love and compassion and caring. Are you rich in many ways and fulfillment. in your life and fulfilling? You feel like life is <clears throat> good. I, I always feel that I have a very abundant life. And I always I have told this to many people. If I pass away tomorrow, it was a hell of a ride. It was so much fun. I had a great time. Zero regrets, man. You know, like it was just a lot of love and compassion and kindness and uh, a lot of great people and um, surrounding with um, a lot of laughter. And I feel like you got to foster that in your life, you know, through yeah. all these things. And if you don't, you say, well, things are always bad. And sure, there's circumstances you can't control and that bad things happen. But there's a lot you can do yourself. Yeah. And I want to bring that back to what you nurture and what you grow in the garden um, analogy, because it's just it's just so true. If you if you nurture the positive and you grow the positive and the things you focus on are positive, you will attract more positive into your life. It's just it's there's so much science on it now that it's out there. You it will come back. I love that science has become a large part of these things that have felt intangible for so many years to people. So do or, I. Right? That it's been quasi, you know, like scientists, sometimes it's just so much about proof and evidence. And I mean, I understand that, but like, hey, there's things that I'm glad you're coming around to these things that we kind of already knew. Yeah. But thanks for the evidence in your mind. If you're an intuitive person, you know this. You don't need evidence for it, but it's nice that it's out there because it pushes people who need that factual stuff to be like, you know, having a hug is important, right? I'm like, <laughs> you know, having appropriate touch is important. I don't think you need to do a study for that, but if you need that, I guess, go for it, you know, to prove <laughs> that having a hug is good. I'm like, come on. <laughs> People must have needed it because it's out there. <laughs> yeah, it's out there, man. It's like somebody told me the other day, they're like, I guess this is the end of hugging and stuff. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I don't think so. You just got to give things time over many years or whatever. It's just too built into how we, you know, are with each other and stuff. You know, I mean, it just, just give it, give things time, you know. Yeah, it's Think a necessity. About, it will come back. It will come back. Just, you know, just relax, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> Jennifer, you're awesome. This is a, uh, I love your attitude, your mentality, and uh, well, thanks for sharing all this today. And I love this because I, I just can't talk enough about this. It, it excites me. If you haven't noticed, I just, um, I didn't know I could talk no. all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being on. I really appreciate your time. And I look forward uh, for people to hear this. Well, thank you so much, Darian. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in. Over here. With a friend. And found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. From earaches to strep tests, visit Miniclinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's how healthier happens together. Services vary by location. Prescriptions can be obtained at pharmacy of choice. Visit miniclinic.com for details.